Live from Cool Boys Central. You're the boss down there. I'm boss up here. From bat tips to bat nips, <laughs> we are just cool boys revisiting Batman, the animated series, and wearing hats. <laughs> this is Batman and Beyond, a cool boys podcast. I was she Batman and Beyond. <laughs> Greetings, cool boy, Bad Nation, uh, and welcome, Steve. Do you like that? See, that's called energy, Steve. Uh, that's man. the that's the bring the energy so the audience comes in popping. Okay. Mm, yeah. All right. And welcome to another installment of Batman and Beyond. Woo! A cool boys podcast. I'm Ballard, and I'm a retired pizza delivery driver, <laughs> and this is my best friend, Steve. He's a top-notch big city lawyer. Say hi, Steve. Uh, just one day I met you because you came to my house delivering pizzas, and I was like, you look like a nice guy. That's right, Steve. <laughs> All right. Well. Say uh. Uh. So cool. Very cool. Tonight's episode is Zatanna, or as Bruce would say, Zana. It was funny though that they only knew each other for like three months. Like that's like a short amount of time for such a lasting uh, relationship or memory, you know. Mhm. That's like such an adolescent, uh, you know, way of thinking of young love. You fall in love for, for three months and you remember him forever. Steve, that was fucking incredibly insightful, man. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. I don't even know what to say to that. It was beautiful. Beautifully said. Could not have said it better myself. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> this week's episode was directed by Dick Seabast and... <gasps> what? Dan Reba. Oh, are you excited about Dan Reba? Well, Steve, why are there two directors on this episode of Batman the Animated Series? Maybe Dick Seapass left? Steve, uh-huh. you are right. Wow. So the little, the little tiny bit of information that I've been able to find about this fucking episode is from uh, dcau.fandom.com. I guess it's like a, a, a fandom website. And it says, as a note, under production notes, this is the only episode with two directors as Dan Reba took over after Dick Seabast's departure. Dick Seabast just won a Emmy right before this for Robin's Reckoning Part 1. So... Is it possible that this guy got you know, maybe his ego inflated and it was just like I'm too big for this 4:30 p.m. show? Fuck this! I'm gonna move on to bigger and brighter things. Let's see. Uh, let's have you pulled up his uh, IMDb or something. Well, it doesn't seem like he moved on to too much bigger and brighter things because I think this show was ended up being you know the huge powerhouse it was, um, in the influential television animated people... series that it was don't know that while they're working on it you know that's true of course um he did i'm sure he went on to become like you know 
paid better. <laughs> like that probably did Let's happen. See. He probably makes more money now or made more money then. So after, after Batman the, the Animated Series, he did Sonic the Hedgehog TV series. He was the main. I briefly remember that. Very briefly. That was a Saturday morning cartoon. He was the main title storyboard artist. And then there he did Spider-Man the TV series. Yeah, oh, I can and see then he that. He did an episode of The Tick, it says. Interesting. One episode of The Tick, he left Batman. <laughs> but why did he leave halfway through the episode that Dan Reba had to finish it? How come he couldn't finish his episode? That doesn't sound like someone who quit. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like someone that was fired or someone that quit because they're about to be fired. And he did The Incredible Hulk. Uh, the TV show? The cartoon? The, yeah, the TV series. The and the, uh, just so you're clear, if you do not remember The Incredible Hulk cartoon, it's horrible. I thought it was okay. No, okay. Iron Man wasn't that bad. Fantastic Four was not that bad. Incredible Hulk was horrible. Ah. X-Men was obviously the best, and Spider-Man was right below X-Men. The Tick was great. I liked Spider-Man Yeah, the too. Tick wasn't Marvel, but yeah, the Tick was great. Uh, I thought I thought the Spider-Man series, it got convoluted when it went all throughout the Spider-Verse. Spider Okay, so what Marvel did with the animated series really, really well, at least I, if I, I really recall it with Spider-Man and with X-Men, I, I, I briefly remember Iron Man, and I very briefly remember Fantastic Four and The Incredible Hulk. I, I, I don't like remember like arcs of episodes, but uh, Spider-Man and X-Men had huge arcs, like massive. They followed. It was uh, a serial. The they were little Jimmit serials. They, they, yeah, you know, they, they basically like did a lot of things where they just retold the comics in, you know, yeah. a kid fashion. But uh, in a kid fashion, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, they did a good you, job. But you also got some of the best tellings of things. Like you got the best the storytelling story, of the Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix. Oh, for sure. and, or the Phoenix Saga and the Dark Phoenix Saga. I mean, you got them both really. Um, you get a great telling of the Venom Saga and well, Spider-Man. You know, another podcast we could watch those and go through those. I'm game. Uh, oh, but after Incredible Hulk, he went on to do X-Men Evolution, Ultimate Avengers, and then The Adventures of Br'er Rabbit, and The Fox and the Hound 2. Fox and the Hound 2, big shit. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a big movie. That was a big movie. It was huge. 2006. Oh, my God. That's just when – that's the era people were clamoring for more Fox and the Hound. That was sure. when he stopped. That was his last thing. Yeah. Well, good. YOLO, that's what I like to say. YOLO. Is that what you like to say? After what happened last week? Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Yeah, uh, Cool Boy Nation just want to say everything's looking better now. Uh, for all of those that wrote in and uh, concerned, sent me your well wishes while I was in the mm -hmm. hospital. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. I really appreciate it. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, last week ended a little intense, and Steve rushed me immediately to the hospital, and... Uh, I had my stomach pumped. Uh, apparently, um, continuing to take more and more pills on air was not a good idea. Um, but now I am sobered up. I'm 100% sober up. It's been about seven days almost. Um, and I'm sober. I am now sober. I'm fully 100% sober. So, yeah, all those that you care and are interested, I really appreciate uh, all, the, all the cards and um, all the flowers. But, yeah, it's worked, and I am now sober. So... I, uh, I really appreciate it, everybody. Thank you so much. And I'm living my best life now. Good for okay? you. I'm all proud of you being sober. Absolutely. That's a good thing. You should be. Yeah, great. Good job. It's, Anyways, it's moving on. Okay. It's a good thing. This is, this is the episode. 
Zantana. Oh, we're still wait, we we're still technically in the uh, Wikipedia says. So guess who wrote this episode, Cool Boy Nation? Paul Denny. It came out on February second, nineteen ninety-three, and the villain this week is Montague Kane. Wikipedia says when the glamorous magician Zantana is framed for robbery during her act, Batman swings to her defense. He also breaks her out of prison, kind of. Zatanna is grateful. What do you mean kind of, he totally does. Well, he breaks her out of a prison car or whatever, like a, a you know, a, on her like, way to prison. On her way to prison, yeah. She wasn't in prison yet, quote unquote. Zatanna is grateful and gives up the puss, <laughs> though a little puzzled by the Dark Knight's commitment to prove her innocence. But the two heroes unite and use the skills her father, Zatara, taught them to expose and combat the culprit. An evil illusionist named Montague Kane. Um, there's some issues here with Montague Kane. We can get into that in a little bit. But he does not uh, make sense to me as a character in general. Uh, yeah, he, uh, it was it was a weird villain. I just was like curious, like how old Zantana was when she first met Bruce, because Bruce definitely looks really young. So he looks like he's probably. You know, 18, 15, or something like that? What do you think? I don't know. They both look like they had their hard body, that's for sure. So, um, <laughs> definitely old teenagers. So, yeah, you're looking at somewhere between, like, 17 and 21 for both of them, I would say. And then, so, but they were saying it's, like, 10 or 12 years since they last saw each other. Right, so, well, Batman in his early years is supposed to be thirty, young 30s. In his 30s now? Is that what he's... So, yeah, so he's probably, what, 22 when he was training with Zatara, and she was 18, so everything's legal. Uh, I wasn't worried about that. I was just wondering. Seemed like, like you're a little bit worried about that. I would be worried about that, because speaking about the sepia tone flashback that you are, Steve, Zatanna, or Zana, is essentially running around the entire sepia tone flashback with the largest fucking camel toe I've ever seen. <laughs> Well, I mean, her vagina is practically on display. I I didn't notice. So I guess I'll have to give it a, uh, a looksy. I know that her uh, outfit for the opening number is shows lots of legs. Shows lots of legs, and it also shows her moundy. You know that, which is kind of nice. To say the least. There's even weird shots later in the episode where they like they linger on a close up of her vagina <laughs> for like maybe. Two beats, like almost two seconds. It's a little awkward, and it's kind of absolutely ridiculous for her character to be wearing this kind of outfit, apparently, but they don't seem to care back then. You know, whatever. Let her look hot as fuck and not ever once put on pants throughout the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. That's her superhero outfit. It is, Um, except I think her superhero outfit, she has, I think some iterations have, like, black leather pants, and then there's, like, a... Uh, Fishnet like leggings or stockings or whatever I think is another version of her character on, in comics. Um, she's not really like her comic character. Uh, this is a very different kind of version of Satana or a very toned down version of Satana. She doesn't do any of her backward spells, you know, um, and they don't really allude that she's full on magic until the very very end, maybe. But what I did like is watching her opening. You know, uh, the opening of this episode when you see her uh, her magic act for the crowd. I would literally be sitting there. I'd be like, that's fucking magic. I'd be like, what? What? what how the fuck did she do all that? Like, mm -hmm. how did she do all that? It's crazy. I think she gets more magical as as her character progresses. 
there's a point where it like stops and then all of a sudden it's like the very last thing in the episode she just like busts out some magic and it's like hey I hate saying goodbye too peace boop and then she's just out mm-hmm. I thought that was I, I think that was like the most like clear obvious and then Zatara makes a mention especially right here when we're watching this flashback when he's got his arm around Bruce and he's talking to him about you know having Bruce having to move on I think Bruce he says Bruce you're moving on or no John Smith you're moving on um he does say that he's taught him things that he's taught no one else. Uh, stuff that we later will assume that he taught Satana, but that also means that, that Bruce has a cursory knowledge of, uh, of, uh, of the uh, mystic arts. Uh-huh. It's kind of interesting. I mean, they don't well, go anywhere with that. I just thought that it meant that he uh, like learned escape stuff that he hadn't taught anybody. I didn't think it was like m- mystic stuff. Well, Zatara is mystic, so I make I make that kind of assumption. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, there are, there is never a, I don't recall. Maybe there is, but I cannot recall a a direct reference to Bruce having learned magic ever again in the series. And that and that goes for even Justice League when there would be moments with like, uh, what's his name, Doctor Fate. Uh huh. So yeah, um, but he does talk to you know Zatanna right now, and he literally says. You know, I'm leaving. Or no, I think she says you're leaving for Japan. And so there is that connection that this is the moment right before Night of the Ninjas flashback. Mm-hmm. It's connecting his, how he uh, basically learned what his skills. So he went on this, like, tour of the world, kind of like we were talking about earlier, like in the Samurai Jack sense, where he just, like, kind of exactly. went to all these different masters and mm-hmm. uh, learned from the best. So absolutely, I, oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely can connect with that now too. Especially like I'm the whole feeling like you know that I'm better than you kind of thing. Like, I am, <laughs> I'm better than you now. Like so, I feel that way, you know. Yeah, it was kind of uh, interesting. But so he was only there for like three months, though. So that's like a really, really short period of time for him to also learn all that stuff, and then also for her to like fall in love with him or him to like have this lasting impression i don't think it's i don't think it's a short period of time i think i think i think people with their mind to it can do anything really quickly i think someone i think if somebody wants you know se- to get sober in seven days they can get sober in seven days you know whatever like you know they it's fucking nothing. find god and they can do it higher power and trust all that me shit. buddy you're not going to be sober on day 10 let go and let god uh-huh uh-huh you're I'm just going to ignore your uh, Steve, high and mighty. my worst day sober is better than my best day dexing. Okay? Dexing. <sighs> All right. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm belittling you. And I understand kind of what Bruce is going through. Like, it is, it is possible to do. I mean, everyone says, oh, you can't get sober in six days. I proved you wrong. Okay, I proved you all wrong. I did it. Uh, so yeah, what what's your opinion on on uh, the villain on this guy? Montague Kane doesn't make a lick of fucking sense for this episode at all. I don't understand. So he's a guy who's been apparently going around debunking, just fucking revealing magician secrets. Right? That's it. That's the guy's job. Right? Okay, there was a guy on Fox a long time ago, right, who was, who was doing essentially the same thing with a mask on. Mm-hmm. And he eventually revealed himself, and everyone was like, who? Who are you? Like, no one still knew who he was. He's supposed to be some, like, big-time magician and, or illusionist. Anyways, so Montague came, 
Same thing. He's just that guy. He's just the guy that goes around fucking revealing magician secrets. And somehow he's amassed a major fortune. Such a fucking large fortune that he has an incredible estate with a mansion on the, it. The airplane carrier. He has a spruce goose type of aircraft. That, yeah. that thing was, like, amazing. Like, he could have a It town. had a fucking, like, Michelin star restaurant on it. They're, they're, they were able to, like, trap... <laughs> The, the wigs on that thing, like, they were able to fight and go, you know, I don't know. I was amazed at how huge this airplane was. So he's getting all this money. He either is – he's either born wealthy, <laughs> right, uh-huh. or he's so fucking rich from revealing all these magician secrets around the world that he's amassed this massive fortune. Yeah. I, I, I – it's – it doesn't make any sense. Why the fuck would he care – about like a hundred thousand dollars from the Gotham when he has this. It was much like five billion or something, was it? I thought it was like ten billion dollars or something. What, what? Oh, is that what was it? Yeah. Was it okay? They, okay, so wait, come on, come on. Who who gives a shit about that much money when you're building <laughs> spruce fucking goose fucking aircraft? That's insane. It it, it literally just does not make. It's ten million. It was ten million in cash. He has way more than ten million. Ten million for him is gas on that fucking giant <laughs> aircraft that, that he's was flying insane. around. And it was like on autopilot at some point because they they all go in there for oh, him yeah. to like you know. So that at some point there was like there was like no real actual pilot. It was it was very, no. It was really strange. It's state of the art for ninety three. <laughs> and he also just to be clear he has fucking state of the art traps in his fucking estate mansion as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's bothering himself with $10 million. I don't understand why, if he's this loaded, why he needs to run to a fucking country for, you know, that doesn't have extradition laws and shit like that. It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Um, there is a moment, though, we're in the second act now, where uh, Batman is has Zantana in the car, and he goes... He's asking her, you know, if she needs to alert anybody, <laughs> that, totally if she's okay. Prime. And he's just like, you sure? That, and she's like, she's like, no, you don't need to tell anybody. Yeah, and he's just like, you sure there's no one you want to call first? Friends? Family? A husband, maybe? <laughs> Ow! Batman! Yeah, he's interested, you know. He's ready to go back to that fucking old fucking playground and go play around again. He reveals himself later on. He tells her by telling by calling her Zana or whatever. The only person that calls Zana. her Zana. Yeah, but he doesn't reveal he's Bruce Wayne. He just reveals that John Smith and Batman are the same yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unless Zatanna picked up on John Smith as Bruce Wayne, then, like, yeah, she can easily – He's a pretty you know. well-known person, I think, in this. Uh, yeah, but back, like, 10, 12 years ago when they, like, first, you know, met, uh, was he well-known then? Probably not. The son of a murdered parents and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no one knows that. I couldn't tell you any sons of murdered parents around here. We're billionaires – Definitely not billionaires. We don't know any because it hasn't happened. Or maybe it has. You just don't know. Steve, I have a question for you we can talk about about this episode before we get into our boys. All right. How about this, actually? Let's do our boys first. I'm going to give this four out of five boys. I liked it a lot. I'm going to give it three. Really? You kind of found it uh, slightly uh, underpaging the crime doctor. Uh, I mean, for all the stuff that we just criticized, it was like this boring – like the – I – I was uh, bored by it. I fell asleep. It was not one that I found interesting. 
Well, I I enjoyed the camel toe and the moundie. Um, so I think maybe that kept me uh, entertained. Um, but I I I liked the kind of the straight arrow. Oh, and there the I saw bit of the this close up. What it's, you saw the close yeah, up? I saw the close up. Dude, it just sits there for way too long. <laughs> There's no reason to sit on her vagina that long, but it does. Well, you know. Anyways, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I mean, yeah, I definitely. I think I like that it's more world building for Batman, and that it is such a straight real fast-paced episode. I mean, the whole episode takes place in essentially almost real time. I mean, it's obviously not, but it's, it's like maybe over the course of like two hours, like this whole episode goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty cool. I like that. But I, I also really like that. Yeah. You got that flashback. You got a little bit more story to Bruce and I, and, it's something I really wish we did get more of. And as we talked about, I think in night in the ninja, it's something that, um, Oh, I think we talked about it in Robin's Reckoning. But it was something that Bruce, Tim, and like Paul Denny wish they could have done more of for Robin. And I kind of also really wish they could have done more with Batman. Yeah, I wish that I, – I was hoping that they would have more actually about his training. Yeah, it's only one flashback in the beginning. It's very quick. And that's it. And you kind of do – you kind of have that feeling that it's not a flashback necessarily just to set up a character like Zatanna. But that there's like something to be divulged because of it. And that never happens. So it does kind of feel like it, it doesn't go anywhere almost. Yeah. Because of that. Mm-hmm. But I really did like it. All right, so I gave it 4 out of 5. You gave it 3 out of 5. Um, but I have a question for you, Steve. And this question ties back a few episodes ago uh, to uh, Off Balance. So let's review a few of our past episodes. Has Roz Al Ghul been watching Batman? Mm. I personally feel... That when we go to, like, say, the episode right after Off Balance, in which Roz, we think, was started his watching and monitoring of the greatest detective, right? Um, I don't think the man who killed Batman was probably one Roz was watching. Mudslide, maybe. Paging the crime doctor, maybe not. But I thought Satana was absolutely an episode that Roz would have been watching this. And maybe he had – do you think – there's any way that he was maybe influencing Montague Kane? Possibly. There, uh, there's some actual. I was looking over this episode, and there was uh, some mention that I guess the Montague Kane refers to Batman as detective, and that's the same thing that Rachel Ghoul yeah uh, always calls him. That, calls yeah. him, and um, so that Roz, there's some. Raish some connection basically there so that's interesting right he does actually say that so um yeah that could be a connection i i kind of was almost wondering if the fact that uh, montague kane is this you know world traveler uh, he's part of the defined, you know magician secrets that maybe he has some connection to Roz because of that alone right like Roz kind of gives him hints to the actual the otherworldly stuff uh-huh. the mystic arts and things so he kind of maybe knows what where to look for the secrets quote unquote and maybe when he finds real magicians he does something with them for Roz and that's why he's funded so well because he takes out potential uh, usurpers of the throne if you will for Roz Roz's throne right um, the throne that he wants Batman or Bruce Wayne to take over someday yeah I don't know I don't think Paging the Crime Doctor really lent itself with Rupert Thorne needing surgery uh, to be something that Roz was using to test Batman. 
Um, I don't. I think mudslide doesn't necessarily need to be that too because it doesn't really make sense. Um, but maybe it's something like he was watching during those moments. But I definitely felt like this episode was the first episode I was like, maybe Roz was watching this one. Maybe. Cool. Cool. Yolo. Cool. All right. Well, Cool Boy Nation, thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Same Cool Bat time, same Cool Bat channel. Cool Boy Bat Nation, be sure to let us bat know what you bat thought of Zatanna. Or what your favorite bat episode is by bat emailing us at batmanandbeyondcoolboys at gmail.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday. Also, check out our other great Cool Boy Central content with the Cool Boys Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Cool Boys and review us on iTunes. Also, donate to us on Patreon. It only costs a buck and you will receive special access to content too hot to air. You can find the Cool Boys on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash coolboyspodcast. Thank you for listening. Stay cool, Cool Boy Bat Nation. Until next time, it's Bizies from Ballard. Bye from Steve. So cool. Batman and beyond. Oh yeah. Batman and beyond.